Hello everyone, welcome to Hubbub, the podcast for British Hills. I'm Emma. I'm Donovan. And I'm Liv. We're teachers here at British Hills and this podcast is to let you know all about what's happening here at BH and what our teachers get up to when we're not in class. In each episode, we'll be talking about different topics from apples to zoology and everything in between. This podcast is for you. So if you have any questions or if there's anything you want us to talk about in future episodes, please let us know. You can contact us at our website, enjoybritishhills.com forward slash hubbub podcast. That's H-U-B-B-U-B podcast or on Instagram at British Hills Japan. It's a fun way for you to practice your English and who knows, you might even learn something new. Onwards with, with the show! Hello and welcome to our March episode. How was your February? My February was very lazy, but also very busy. Yeah, it was very, very cold up here. It was chilly. Yeah, I feel the winter. And then it all got too warm, a little pineapple express. <laughs> yeah, I think I understand what you mean. So what do we have to look forward to in this episode, Donovan? Well, today we'll be joined by Tato and Randy, both cooks in their own right, for an episode on cooking. Ooh, exciting. But first, our riddle, the answer to it, please. So last month's riddle, how do you know a party is for gamers? The answer, there are streamers. I see. Welcome! Please introduce yourselves. Hello everyone, my name is Tato and I am from South Africa. Hello everyone, my name is Randy and I come from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. Alright, so today of course we're talking about cooking and um, this is for both of you I guess. How did you get into cooking? What, what made you want to start cooking or what was your influence? Oh, well, for me, it was out of necessity. I actually never started cooking until I came to Japan. So in my country, um, food is available everywhere and it's part of the culture. So when you meet people, you always get food when you meet them. So I always had food available. When I came to Japan, this is not the culture in Japan. So I had to buy food a lot and it was so expensive. So I realize I have to learn how to cook. Oh, I see. Nice. Thank you for sharing. And Tato? Uh, so I grew up with um, my mom who ran a catering company and she did a lot of cooking from home. And we had a lot of her workers always in the house, always ready to make us whatever we wanted. And I was a very picky eater, so that made it worse because I could just make requests all the time. And then I went to boarding school. Um, in like my last three years of high school, I was in boarding school and I hated the food. And because I was so picky and my mom never forced me to eat anything I didn't like, I couldn't get into it. Uh, if I didn't like it, if it was served at the cafeteria, I just wouldn't eat. So <laughs> eventually um, I had to eat. I couldn't get takeaway all the time. Actually, my boarding school banned takeaway at lunchtime because people were ordering so much that we weren't eating from the cafeteria. So they banned it, and then I had to 
figure it out and make what I wanted to eat. So I was friends with one of the teachers who had an apartment on campus and she let me cook in her apartment all the time and I could actually eat. <laughs> and then I came to Japan where I didn't like the food here either. <laughs> so I got um, even more into um, cooking. So for me, it, it was, yes, out of necessity, but also because I, I want what I want and I'm not willing to compromise. So I had to learn. Makes sense. Sounds like a good plan to me. <laughs> nice. Uh, I just had a question following on from that. So, Randy, for you, when you say in your home country uh, food was very much available, is it like do people go out and buy food from vendors? Yes, they do. But actually, a part of meeting people is when you mm. meet them, you actually present something you've made as well. Okay. So it's a kind of an exchange of food. Mm. Like, I made this. Oh, I got to try it. Uh, here, here, can you, um, I'm going to show you what I've made as well. Mm. So there's an, an exchange of food. Yeah. So that's a very much part of the culture. Oh, yeah, so it's kind of you know, second nature. I never thought about it until I came to Japan. We have a lot of that in South Africa as well. I noticed it's very different in Japan where people will like buy you omiyage or buy you like a mm. crate of fruit as like a present or a thank you. Whereas mm. in South Africa, we will cook you a meal, mm. we'll make you something and give it to you. You're like, oh, you did this for me. I made you scones or you did that. Thank you so much. But in Japan, it's very different. It's more like I bought you these very expensive strawberries. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, in Canada, we have neither of these traditions. So <laughs> some people do because they've come from other cultures that have an exchange of food or gifts, mm. but it's not commonplace. So it's interesting that both of you come from cultures where food exchange is a big thing. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite dish to cook and why? We'll start with Tato this time. <laughs> um. When I cook for other people, I'm a little extra, but when I cook for myself, I'm, I'm very simple. So for me, a comfort food that I love to make, I make it all the time, is mac and cheese with sweet and spicy chicken wings. That is like my go-to if I'm in my apartment by myself. Extra cheese, like crispy on top with the sticky chicken wings. That That's my go-to meal for sure. But if I'm craving something sweet, um, Marvel pudding. Marvel pudding is this South African dessert, almost like a sticky toffee pudding. Um, so it's like a cake that is baked and then on top you pour like a butter rum sauce after it's been baked and just soaks into it. And you eat it with custard in the winter and in the summer we eat it with vanilla ice cream. I always have that in my freezer because it just reminds me of home and it just tastes so good. Oh my gosh, that sounds delightful. <laughs> and Tato, I remember when you arrived and you cooked for everybody. And it was like piecing together like five different things. And it was like above and beyond what we imagined when you said, I'll cook for everyone. So I know what you mean when you go like the extra mile to cook when you're cooking for other people. So that's really cool. And Randy? Um, if I am cooking for other people, I would usually try to give them something that they probably never tasted, so it would come from my country. Um, a very popular street food is called doubles, and I would make this for people who come to my house. Uh, doubles is a kind of a fusion of, I think, Indian and African uh, cuisine. Um, it's basically two very thin fried bread and in the middle of it you put 
uh, garbanzo beans or chickpeas, which in my country is called chana, and you top it with different uh, toppings. It can be sweet or spicy, depending on the person's taste. So if it's uh, sweet, we would put something called tamarind sauce, which is a kind of chutney. Um, we will also use something cooling like cucumber, and we would make a kind of cucumber salad with it. Uh, if you want it to be spicy, we would use hot sauce or like habanero sauces, and just a bunch of different toppings we would put on top of it. It's really delicious and it's very cheap back home. Um, but for me, my personal thing to make, my favorite dish is scrambled eggs because <laughs> it was the first thing I learned. So I learned cooking through my mother via Skype. <laughs> so, yeah, in the beginning, I, well, I, um, I did not always live in Fukushima. I used to live in Shizuoka. And I would call my mother on Skype and be like, Mama, I can't cook and I, I'm hungry. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, <laughs> yes, so she would say, all right, let's start with uh, first thing to do. It's easy, but it's uh, also, uh, if you don't do it right, it can be a disaster. Yeah, and it was eggs. So my first yeah, food was eggs. So I have a kind of an emotional connection to it. <laughs> so. It's actually interesting. Randy was talking about, what, what is it called? The bread dish again? Doubles. We have something similar in South Africa, but we call it a kota like a quarter of a loaf. So you take the whole loaf, you cut it into four pieces, you hollow it out, and you put a curry in it. And sometimes mm. it's like a chickpea curry mm. or a dal, like dal, dal is basically base. curry, right? Yeah. Chana dal or lentil dal mm. or like a mutton. But the whole loaf is basically, or the whole quarter of the loaf is filled with um, curry and you top it with whatever you want. So sometimes you do mm. like a cucumber relish yes. or like a chili on top. So yes. a lot of, well, I got to Japan. When I got to Japan, I realized a lot of um, when I'm craving South African food and I can't find it and I don't want to make it myself, Islander food, like when I, the Caribbean food is so similar to the flavors we have in South Africa and it just kind of like gives me what I'm craving. It's interesting. That's true, yeah. I didn't know you had the dish like that. So yeah. It's very similar. It's like, basically the same thing. Doubles is actually interesting because like the origin of it comes from India, but it's not the... Um, it's been rearranged in the West Indian way. The original one is just one piece of a fried bread that you mm -hmm. put the like chana or some sort of pea on top and then you would put some sort of chutney, which is Indian. But yeah, when it came to the West Indies and we have all these cultures coming together, yeah, yeah it became two two pieces and then the toppings were sometimes Indian, sometimes African. Yeah. It's very delicious if you guys ever have a chance to look up that recipe and make it, please do. Well, this is making me very, very hungry. <laughs> we should have had food for this episode. <laughs> I, I agree. Somewhere on the table. We, we need to, to smell it, though. <laughs> it smells like... Snow. <laughs> it smells like snow. <laughs> um, so what ingredients do you miss from your home country? Like, what is something that you just can't find in Japan or you you had to, like pay that extra to have someone ship you because you're like, I must have this and I can't find it anywhere. Um, for me, it's the curry spices because, again, the, the ones found in Trinidad and Tobago are a blend of Indian, African, and South American spices. So it's a very unique 
taste. And it's very different from if you've eaten curry from India or, or Thailand or any other country that also have a form of curry. So I have to usually get this shipped from my country to Japan. So, you know. It's the same for me, um, curry spices. I bought quite a few of them when I came, but also chutney, like already a pre-made chutney because I use that for cooking a lot, and grains. So in South Africa, we don't really eat rice or pasta that much, and I don't like rice. So we have our own like different grains that we use, like um, maize made from corn and grounded and processed in different ways to make different um, staple starches that you can just not find here in Japan. So I miss that. So if you're ordering from online or ordering, asking your family to send them to you, how long do you usually have to wait for that? Well, for me, um, I have to get it shipped because you can't get it online unless you order maybe through Amazon and it's quite expensive. So uh, I have my parents ship it to me. Uh, it takes about three weeks maybe to get here because they often keep it for a long time in customs because it's so exotic. They're just like, what is this? <laughs> I, I have given up. <laughs> so um, I just use whatever I brought from home whenever I go home. And when that runs out, I usually go to the Indian um, restaurants. So a lot of Indian restaurants in Japan also sell spices. And I just get those. They're not the same. The ones in Japan are not as strong as the ones that you would find um, in South Africa. But also a lot of um, South African Indian people would say that the ones in South Africa are not as strong as the ones you'd find in India. So it's, yeah, no, I can't. I gave up. <laughs> in reverse, what ingredients have you found in Japan that might be difficult to find in your home countries that you do really enjoy using? For me, it's not even a Japanese spice. <laughs> um, the pad thai paste ah, yes. thing. I've, pad thai paste, right? Pad thai, yeah. Love it. I put, you can put that on anything. You make a grilled cheese sandwich, you put it on there. You make a pizza, you make a curry, whatever you want to use it with. It is so versatile as an ingredient and I really, really love it. But if I'm thinking Japanese sauces or spices, Japanese people do not use a lot of spices in their food. Um, but I do like like soy sauce. I think making a teriyaki sauce goes well with a lot of things like chicken or glazing potatoes with it. So like having soy sauce, mirin and sake, that combination is really nice. Oh, okay. And for the listeners, if they want to try the pad thai paste? You uh, could get it at, what is that store called again, Mandy? Uh, Gyomu. Gyomu, yes. Ah, okay. Gyomu Super. Okay. Best place for most international ingredients. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll definitely have to check that out and get one myself. It's such a great hack for when you're cooking. Literally, if you just that and some soy sauce in whatever you're making, you're done. You don't need to put much else in it because it's a complete thing on its own. Nice. I've learned a new hack. Thank you very much, Tato. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Randy, how about you? Uh, for me, I think three things that I really enjoyed was the kombu leaves because they're quite good for adding depth to uh, soup stocks. So if you want to give it a, a, like a more unique 
taste that maybe Westerners don't know, kombu. It's Are really kombu the yeah. ones they use for making ramen broth? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, so it's a kind of a, a mild seaweed. It's actually a kelp. We would say in English, a kelp. And uh, yeah, it adds that kind of depth of flavor. Uh, if you want something sweet but mild, uh, mirin. Yeah, mirin mm. is very good as well. It's a good substitute if you don't have chutney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because chutney also gives that sweetness to yes. a dish. So if you want, especially when you're cooking with tomatoes here in Japan, yes. it's so yeah. acidic. Exactly. Balancing it out yes. with mirin. Yes, that acid and, and the sweet mixed together is really, really good. And maybe another one I would say is the shiso leaves. So the shiso leaves is kind of a very mild minty taste and it's really good it, with uh, any kind of food where you need a kind of minty flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, some, some, it can be like a substitute for chutneys as well. Really? Yeah. What shiso. kind of food would you use that with? I um, actually just eat it on its own, like together with, you know, like, uh, like a rice, for example, if you think mm-hmm. a rice is too bland. You can shred the shiso leaves and put it on the on the rice, and you get little. Do they usually come dry? I buy them fresh usually. Oh. Yeah, I've never seen those before. Oh, it's it's every check in, it out. Yeah, it's in all groceries. It's the one with the like the spiky. Yes. Things. Oh, those, yeah. are, are those the ones that they usually wrap around like rice, like to make like a yes. The yes. sakura mochi? Yes. 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 Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So I do know what those are. Yes. <laughs> a little bit bitter. It's a little bit bitter, for, but for me, it's more for like a like a snappy taste. Um, the, the same way when you taste like peppermint, for example. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very very interesting. Awesome. So, unfortunately, I think that is all the time we have left. Um, Donovan, anything else? Uh, No, I think that's it. That's been wonderful and insightful, too. There's a lot of good tips that we've got from this. Thank you very much, both of you. Yeah, but before we finish, we have our riddle. Riddle me this. You chop me, cut me, dice me, and cry over me. What am I? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> riddle. Thank you, Tato. You're welcome. Randy, any ideas? I know what it is, but um, I'm going to wait until the next, you know, the next podcast for you guys to know the answer. Sounds like fun. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us for our March episode, and uh, we look forward to trying out those hacks. Please do. Thank you, Tato. Thank you, Randy. Thank you guys for having us. Yes, thank you. We love to hear feedback. Any questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions are welcome. You can contact us at our website, enjoybritishhills.com forward slash hubbub podcast. That's H-U-B-B-U-B podcast or on Instagram at British Hills Japan. Also on the website, if you're listening to practice English, you can find a transcript of each episode. But if you're not here for that reason, don't worry, just forget the last few seconds. All in all, thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. The Hubbub Podcast.